0: Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your week in sports cars. What do we call these episodes, Graham? The Flappy Gums episode where there's no uh, listener Q&A, but just you and, you and, and, and I and flapping our, our faces, talking about <laughs> stuff that falls into our heads. Um, why do we say a, a beautiful thank you, as always, to our partners, the Justice Brothers, makers of truly dynamic automotive chemicals. Lubricants That the automotive world, Graham. Motor racing world. Uh, you have a tractor. You have a farm. You have a truck. You have whatever it is. They have the automotive chemicals and lubricants needed to keep them on the road, on the racetrack, on the farm, on the whatever. Uh, TorontoMotorsports.com, speaking of fine stuff, they make the things that make you and I maybe happier than we even deserve to be with all the motor racing memorabilia they have to sell. And then finally Cooper tires, those fine folks who make road tires, off-road tires, motor racing tires as well. All three support our show as they have done for a really long time. And most of all, Graham Goodwin, thanks to our listeners who, despite their failing judgment, uh, tune in and ask us to keep doing these silly shows. So that's all I have to say I'm going to shut up for the rest of the episode. It's 100% on nah. you. Speak to you at the end.
1: Well, yeah. Um, uh, first things first, I, I apologize. A goodly proportion of the, the gap uh, in Twisk has been down to my dreadful state of health. Uh, you might catch me coughing through this, so just coming out the other side of a rather nasty chest infection. But uh, other than that, all is well. And lots going on, MP. I mean, where do we start? Do we start with a, a quick wrap up of points arising from the Le Mans 24 Hours? What an astonishing event that was. Do we start on the basis of the big story I am hoping to break very soon? Where do you want to start?
0: Would that be the BO penis of the event? No, you're <laughs> hoping to break another thing. Why don't we do that? Why don't we open with a newsy ish thing? Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if we're going to be naming manufacturers and teams yet, mm-hmm. but you, because you are this person, you have that that dog sniffing nose of yours where you pick up 10,000 different scents and trails, and you have a good one here. Hey, so this whole hypercar thing, this whole yeah. GTP thing, manufacturers getting involved top tier international prototype racing all done and dusted right nobody else wants to get in no that's yeah. not the case at all
1: no and um i'm putting the final pieces together and hope to be able to write at least something in the next uh, couple of three days waiting for a couple of calls back a brute um, 2.0 but, yes a couple of strands that have been around for a little wee while um, but it looks increasingly clear that this is a real thing, as you quite rightly say. Not going to name the manufacturer just yet, but it's a major name. Um, this is not a boutique effort. Um, I think when people find this one uh, out, they're going to be surprised. Uh, this this is uh, if this is a real thing, it's an absolutely corking story, and it's a great name to have in the top class of. Sports car racing. So there is a bit of hashtag wait and see, for which I apologize. Um, but this one I think well worth waiting for. And yeah. Uh this is from what we've heard, the the team
0: affiliation side extremely high level, right? And again, yeah. we're, we're not giving away a story before the story's nope. been written, but we're just trying to share and by we I mean Graham. Uh but we're just trying to share what we can here just On the theme of, it's really awesome, Graham, to look at what has happened within the world of ACO, WEC, IMSA, we can even say filtering down to the European Le Mans series, Asian Le Mans series, but really, truly stoked and inspired by these new hypercar regulations and now debuting this year, LMDH, as it's known, and the Wackety-Wack GTP over here in IMSA. This is sparking something we have not seen in decades, if we're talking the volume of interest, first of all. And then secondly, Graham spoke to a friend who lives near Watkins Glen, location of this weekend's six-hour IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship race. And he's telling me, hey, we normally go camping here at my home track. Camping's a huge thing at Watkins Glen. And although the race is often great that IMSA puts on, uh, I don't know if the fan turnout always burdens every single camping space. Friends telling me "Uh, we're struggling to find a place. Normally yep. we book. <laughs> we don't have to worry about reserving our camping space early. Pretty much the week of, we can have our pick of whatever we want. Telling me Oh, mistake. The subscription, the interest for WeatherTech SportsCar Championship with this new robust top class is unlike anything he has seen in many years. There, you were saying as well, ticket sales, advanced sales for yep. WEC at Monza. Share that info too. But just getting to well, the greater point, this is transformational in all the ways we had hoped.
1: Uh, it is. And, you know, we've seen it from the start of the season. I mean, the raw test had a bigger crowd than many Rolex 24s i was seen. Rolex 24 was a record. Sebring was rammed. Uh, Portimao had a reasonable crowd, and that's not an easy track to get to for the WEC. Then we had uh, a reported 72,000 at Spa over that weekend. Um, Source is an Italian racing podcast, and they suggest that 80,000 tickets have already been sold for the Monza WC uh, event. If that's even remotely true, that's an extraordinary number. And you'll forgive me um, if my immediate response to that, other than the delight that actually fans are coming back to sports car racing, is a dread of just how difficult it's going to be to get in, uh, to get the job done. But uh, it, it's going to be, uh, I think, an extraordinary uh, second half of the season in the WEC. It's going to be an extraordinary second half of the season in GTP, in particular in Yimsa Weather's Exports Car Championship. And this is only the start. I mean, you've got Lamborghini to come, we've got Alpine to come. We saw that car, MP. I don't know if you had a chance to look closely at the, uh, the show car at Le Mans. It looks to me as if Alpine are heavily considering some form of... Arrangement for IMSA in conjunction with the launch of their brand uh, in North America. Yeah, uh, we then get into more Porsche customer cars, other customer um, uh, cars coming in the in the coming years as well. And it, there, there really is a point here about just how far can this go at this point?
0: Well, we need to create a weckity weck after dark and weather tech championship (laughs) after dark, where we just run a secondary series, uh, all night races, but to the finer point here. And before we move on to looking at some of the lingering items from the 24 hours of Le Mans, as I Mm. love seeing it in front of my man, Sebastian Bourdais and seeing his eyes cross and wanting to punch (laughs) me in the face. Um, there's pretty amazing stuff that is continuing to happen on the interest and manifestation of, hypercar slash gtp manufacturer uh, development and interest i already mentioned one or two that we're waiting to have you know formally launched some that we hope to have confirmed here very shortly including the manufacturer you're referencing there have been some obscure ones right the don't call it a van wall van wall and lord knows what else
1: but which, Even, by the way, it, it's worth mentioning uh, before we move on from that. That word, not anywhere on the car now at all.
0: Rocky is, uh, I don't know if you heard him, but he's not happy about that either. No, um, he's a big fan. But nonetheless, we are in rich times, and we certainly have to credit the, uh, all the good folks who have helped steer us in this direction. Let's talk about Le Mans. Let's talk about yep. the my three most hated words and letters in motor racing, B-O-P. Uh, hey, Ferrari done won them. A big old motor race on the 50th anniversary of their last time playing yep. uh, at the, the top tier. Um, I'll, I'll mention one or two very quick things, but uh, then hand things off to you, Graham, to talk about oh. the lingering B-O-P wrong, unfair, punished Toyota, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Um I probably wouldn't argue that Toyota was surprisingly uncompetitive. I'm not talking about the first lap or two, um or the very earliest parts of the race, but uh where they seemed to do fairly well, but by and large they didn't have much to show in terms of being able to chase down, catch, match Ferraris in particular. But here's one thing that stood out more than any to me. And I mentioned this in this week's Racer mailbag. uh, Every time you and I and Skippy or Stephen Kilby or Martin or you name it, we're discussing all right, who's going to be first out, who's going to win, who's going to this, who's going to that, leading the moments up to the race. I was pretty consistent in saying those Ferraris are going to blow up. Those things are going to fall apart. Go nowhere. It's going to be an embarrassment. Not because I think they've done a poor job, but just they looked a little fast, but maybe fragile elsewhere, a little unsorted. And even if BOP was intentionally tilted in their favor, Graham, there's nothing that BOP could really do in terms of winning them a 24-hour motor race. Um, Boy, was I not completely wrong and think they were going to be (laughs) basically the first out uh, or among the first out but uh, they went hard and those things lasted and were kick-ass and i would say earned that victory from what i found to be totally unexpected levels of reliability could a better bop have made toyota more of a Uh, pugilist in the ring with them instead of kind of off to the corner watching them just kind of go and do their own things? Probably, but you can't blame BOP for those things being not just fast, but lasting the whole way. But what are your your post-mortem thoughts? Did they get BOP wrong enough to the point of taking Toyota out of the race altogether?
1: No, no, they didn't. I mean, uh, just to be clear, I mean, the, the principal thing was weight, wasn't it? 37 kilos, which is a chunk. Being added to the Toyotas um, but we're talking here about Toyota versus uh, Ferrari, and Ferrari got 24 kilos, so the difference is 13 kilos. And asking around, what people expected that 37 kilos to make a difference of, so about 1.2, 1.3 seconds per lap, they reckoned around Le Mans. So if you're looking at the difference between the two, it's about a third of that. So you're talking fractions of a second per lap. the advantage that the ferrari got but ultimately that didn't matter um of course it matters in the extreme but you've got to beat the race and the reality is that ferrari beat that race they did an astonishing job nobody ran fault free it was i think a truly stellar 24 hours uh, race i mean every factory led that race uh, at some point Jota led the race uh, at one point before a substantial off of Yuffaye. Um, and Damn it, Peugeot led the race and looked, you know, those changeable conditions looked pretty convincing. So it threw up in the air everything we thought we knew. Um, yes, of course, I think as we said in our pre uh, Le Mans show, if there's one race you optimize these cars for, that's the one. And it rather showed this is where the quality and depth comes into play. And there's no doubt whatsoever that Tota have that. They were highly unlucky with the, the way in which the number seven car was eliminated from the race. And that happened with us live on air in somewhat hilarious circumstances, just as John Doonan came to the microphone um, for what was supposed to be 15 minutes to talk about the NASCAR Garage 56 and about IMSA john was there for 75 minutes while every single time asked him a question other dramas intervened so the number seven was eliminate eliminated lucklessly but the number eight card didn't have a clean run either and that's the point is you've got to be completely clean if it's going to come down ultimately to pace the final thing i'd say about this one is this is the first time since the um the exit from the stage of the Porsche factory team, that you've had entries of the quality and depth uh, that were going to put Toyota under pressure so they could do anything other than run their own pace. This is the first time since those days that Toyota have had to effectively manage their pace against their opposition. I will say I was disappointed in the tone from one or two people from Toyota post-race um as i said to one member of the team i get it i completely understand that there's irritation that you feel that balance performance played a part here but here's the thing guys there have been times in the past where you've come in with a technical advantage you know in the post porsche era and then you've argued for more you've argued for more as an advantage whether or not it's to do with pit stop times or whatever you've argued for more and you've got it because of your political position if you like within the uh, the organization at that time. It's a different game now. And uh, the final thing I said to the same person to, from Toto is, look at it this way. The next time you win a race, and you certainly will win another race this season, you'll be able to say Tota beat Ferrari. You've never, never had that as a an opportunity for Tota Kazoo Racing um, to credibly use that as a positive. You've beaten the 2023 Le Mans champions, the Ferrari factory team. And all of a sudden, that's another layer at which the value of having this depth of competition uh, comes into play. The, the bit, I think, that is probably a little more missed, and I, I feel it's probably something you want to have a chat about here, MP, which is, there is one element of BOP that I think was underplayed uh, with the changes pre race, and that was we didn't see a change in platform BOP between the LMDH spec cars and the LMH spec cars. And whilst we did see a Porsche lead the race, we did see a Caddy lead the race, and um, excuse me, <coughs> uh, we did see a Caddy lead the race, the reality is that the relative pace, in certainly in dry running, certainly favoured the LMH cars. Uh, what say you about uh, the effect of GTP machinery against the um, the LMH hypercars?
0: <sighs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll be honest, man. You and I had this conversation last year uh, before yeah. the cars debuted. You and I had this conversation at the Roar, at the Rolex 24, at Sebring, and wherever else where I have said many times, and I'm not the only one. Uh, I'm not looking forward to Le Mans. Because if I go off of history, the home formula is probably going to be balanced in a manner that is more favorable than the non-home formula. I, of course, realize that starting the season, we have full season LMDH slash GTP cars competing in whack against LMH slash hypercars. I realize that in this environment, in theory, they're both meant to be equal. We do know that LMDH slash GTP is IMSA's version of prototypes. They wanted rejected the LMH slash hypercar formula that ACO and WC came up with. Um, If we were to have a whole slew, Graham, of hypercars show up for the Rolex 24 next year, I would think that there would be many on the, weck and aco side fearing that at imsa's big race things might tip in gtp's favor and i would say those fears wouldn't be totally unfounded mm-hmm. just saying for what we got for what happened the fear all along coming into Le Mans was man i really hope whether it's the imsa teams heading over with their cars or the extra cars being run you know Porsche Penske Motorsport of course adding a third entry comprised of their uh, their IMSA drivers and such Chip Ganassi Racing of course adding an extra car or not extra but bringing over their one of their full-time or their full-time IMSA entry Action Express of course bringing their Cadillac as well um yeah as I observed the race <laughs> as I observe practice and qualifying um just sure looked like them their hypercars had a wee bit more and so you go well okay so we do have full-time uh lmdh is running in WEC, so there should be no question as to whether they are seen and fully understood and have done enough yep. laps and enough racing before lemar graham for the ability to balance them uh with their their hypercar counterparts so that there's no Uh, imbalance again this being different than the age-old thing right like we used to have of hey corvette racing is going to come over and they haven't been here all year and the michelin tire might be a little bit different or there's going to be enough differences to where if in this one-off this top flight american team is not super competitive due to bop at the 24 hours of le mans not that anyone's happy but at least you can go okay well They're kind of sort of seeing you properly for the first time, and this is what happens. That ain't the case here. Seen the cars, know them, balanced them, you name it. Just a little bit sad, brother, that it seemed like uh, too many LMDHs had no real chance of of competing on an equal lap-by-lap level with the Ferraris. Last little just quick note here. Having been trackside for the vast majority of those 24 hours, I can tell you, in particular, the pair of Chip Ganassi Racing Cadillacs. And I realize that they were knocked out on lap one, unfortunate crash by Jack Aiken with that Action Express Racing Cadillac. Obviously, long time doing repairs. They were never in the race properly afterwards. But if I'm just talking about effort, Corner by corner, wherever I went, I swear those Cadillacs, in particular the two Ganassi ones that were contending, were driven harder than any other cars in the top category. And so to me, it was not a question of the going for a reliability run are they dialing back just a little bit are they hoping to succeed on the back end of the race by not pushing too hard up front and surviving i didn't see any of that brother i saw a team that was more maximum attack than any other entry in the overall hypercar class regardless of which formula the cars complied to and so knowing how hard i watched those cars being driven that's where it stood out like damn it doesn't matter Sebastian Bourdais on maximum attack, the the terrible human being, uh, Richard Westbrook, who's an okay driver, I'll finally concede that. Uh, didn't matter who it was. Uh, they are driving those things to within an inch of their lives. Didn't matter. Uh, that was I'd, the thing that made this, me sad.
1: I love this bit. Uh, I'm not going to disagree um, with with that summary of it. I would say that when we get into the 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 later knockings of this season into the prep for next season. The good part of this is that we are not talking simply about a team that does IMSA and comes across to Le Mans. We are talking about major factories with major heritage in um, the FIWC uh, at Le Mans with General Motors and Cadillac with Porsche and next year. Uh, with BMW as well. Of course, um, we've got uh, Lamborghini to come and Alpine to come. It's a pretty difficult lobby group to ignore if the overwhelming feeling is that they need a little bit of BOP help. I, I can't believe that if we come towards the end of this season into next and we're still seeing that palpable gap over not single that pace necessarily, but certainly stint pace and then double stint pace, then uh, I can't believe that you're going to see anything other than a pretty convincing lobby to make some sensible changes. And I've got no problem with that whatsoever. It it was by a distance, the best Le Mans I've seen in many a year. Uh, No matter what the debating points were, no matter what the the post-race kind of uh, wash up was all about, as a race, as something that served up drama, as something that served up changes of lead and bit of weather, huge crowd, storylines galore. Uh, you know, we called that race for, well, effectively 26 hours, an hour before, 24 hours live, and then an hour to finish. There was never a moment we didn't have things to talk about. And that, to me, and everything I've read since, um, I think it's the Le Mans 24 hours that people needed to see to convince them that this... Has got the the ingredients to be a game changer moving forward. Now what they've got to do is to manage the politics, and that is the that's the crucial uh, missing ingredient that all too often uh, motorsport stumbles at. Now we're going to find out how good this process is. Uh, can they put the interests of the sport ahead of individual interest? Uh, that's the tricky one. I think we've got a very interesting few weeks and months ahead of us.
0: Why don't we close on 2 swiftish items. Hey, sad to see and moreover hear the end of the GTE formula at yeah. Le Mans. Thoughts, Graham, on the race itself, knowing that this farewell restricted to pro-am class right no longer any pro gte entries at le mans but boy you and i were in the media i believe you might have been there with us maybe you weren't but uh representative from corvette racing came in i don't remember how many hours into the race but uh was just very frustrated at how the safety car procedures had gone and slow zones and you name it and with a suspension problem suffered by the, uh, the Corvette Racing C8R. Uh, very frustrated with just the administration of things. And seemingly, although there was still 75% of a race or whatever it was left to complete, uh, the Corvette was down and out, no chance, no hope. Ding, ding, Two ding, ding. Down, nothing was- <laughs> Freaking Ben Keating and uh, Nikki and whatnot. Uh, Nico, boy, uh, how crazy there. But. Give me some thoughts here about uh, the grand finale at Le Mans for a class that uh, we've
1: loved. Um, a quite extraordinary drive from the whole team. A drive back from I think it was two laps down at that point, and completely down and out. And with a you know with a grid of really high quality, it's got to be said. Um, and from there on in, the three drivers, Ben Keating, basically just you know. Um, opened up a can of Ben Keating. Uh, Nicky Katzberg is just top-notch, world-class pro, whatever you bolt him into. But the standout for me, uh, Nico Veroni from Argentina, uh, silver-ranked driver. And there was a moment in our TV booth when Nico came and put a 350 in, at the point where nobody else was doing anything like a, other than a 354, 355. Uh, you know, it, it was a supremely able effort. And finally, you know, the things that were weighing on their minds, but come back in a moment, uh, if, if I will, to the safety car procedures, started to play back for them. But they, they won that race on pace. Make no mistake about it. The pace was stunning. Um, that's one where I don't think anybody's been moaning and groaning about BOP. And it's another BOP class, of course. Um, but the brakes didn't go their way for the first quarter of the race. And it all came back to them in the, in the final half. And they d- deserved absolutely all of the success that came their way. And uh, I think I've said of the, uh, on the, as we're calling the podiums, there were, let me get this right, 12 different uh, crews represented across the four podiums, the hypercar, LMP2, LMP2 Pro-Am, and GTE Am. Only two uh, of those crews came from the same nation. That was United States of America. It was the uh, Cadillac on the overall podium, and it was the Corvette Racing team on the GTE Am top step. Um, and it was an absolute cracker. I'd like to say a couple of words about the uh, the safety car process because it's it's attracted quite a lot of attention. I thought the process itself was brilliantly done uh, understood and executed by the vast majority of the teams um, we shouldn't mix up the incident that's being managed with the process of resetting the field the process of resetting the field is where the change came and for me that was an absolute success i'm sure there's gonna be uh, small lessons to be learned but the resetting the field aspect of it was absolutely a success. Where I think there absolutely does need to be some attention is the operation, um, and in terms of the team's understanding as well, flags, et cetera, et cetera, of the slow zones. That's where we got the problems this time. In mixed conditions, we did have multiple incidents with people coming into next slow, whatever, whatever. Uh, It was that that caused the elimination of the number seven toter. That was Kamii Kobayashi checking up because someone had braked as they came into the next slow zone, which they fundamentally should not have done. uh, That's an incident that cost two cars a finish. But um, it was for me, the slow zone uh, aspect of the management of the race that probably uh, post-race will have been giving those responsible for race control uh, some cause to think what went wrong there, not the safety car procedure, which I thought was a massive step forward from what we've seen in recent years.
0: Let's finish up, brother, on what's coming this weekend. Six hours, the least endurancey of the four IMSA endurance events of the year. Open with a 24, follow with a 12, close with a 10. But between those, we got a six in upstate New York. A Solid entry list, solid everything. We've had some good news I what, leading into the race at Le Mans and I think soon after as well about changes next year. Previously announced that LMP3 will be peeled away from the WeatherTech Championship, and we've seen seemingly announcement after announcement yep. of uh, P3 teams saying they'll be stepping up to P2. We've had United Autosports saying, hey, that uh, can US. Well, yep. we're going to come go play with y'all over there. And uh, I don't know beyond just having a, a good race to look forward to this weekend on Sunday, Graham, seems like there's some pretty solid news continuing to develop over here as well.
1: It's it's really positive, isn't it? I'd spent a little bit of time, uh, last weekend at Brands Hatch, uh, with John Dooman from IMSA. Um, the NASCAR garage 56, uh, Camaro was at uh, what's termed American speed fest, which is Euro NASCAR and support. And, uh, we tipped up and uh, John was in the midst of um, yeah, encouraging youngsters with a huge number of families. That was great to see. Encouraging youngsters to come and take a look at the monstrous. It was the backup car there, but the monstrous NASCAR and indeed the IMSA president, you know, with parents around picking up the young kids and pulling them in through the door, uh, through the window of the car um, and letting them sit in the driver's seat of a proper NASCAR. Um, and yeah, conversation about the way things are moving forward for IMSA, uh, very positive. Uh, you know, you're aware of some things in the background, so are we, uh, that are coming, uh, coming along. Um, I think there's some hard work, some heavy lifting to come, but there's some really strong storylines to come from IMSA coming into next season and the seasons beyond. Uh, and I think all that's going to do, MP, is to feed this current enthusiasm for sports car racing and better still not just an enthusiasm for sports car racing but an enthusiasm to come and watch sports car racing which is absolutely magical can't wait
0: go and watch an endurance motor race it's good for your soul uh it's even prescribed by most doctors so that's uh that's your medical advice here on the weekend sports cars uh, Graham uh, Goodwin, uh, I think we need to let you go and rest, get some dinner, die, and yes. yeah, no more coughing, no more whatever <sighs> else. We need to get you back uh, back to good old health. So why do yeah. you not take us home as you so kindly do?
1: I will. Uh, look out, by the way, for some other positive news about uh, IMSA this side of the race this weekend. Keep an eye on racer.com and dailysportscar.com for in-depth uh, coverage of some news to come, some really positive news to come. But for now, we're going to say thank you to all of you for sticking with us. While there's been a bit of a gap in our coverage for this, we're going to say thank you, of course, to Cooper Tyres, to the Justice Brothers, and to Toronto motorsports.com. Thanks to you, MP. I know it's been a busy time for you with IndyCar straight after Le Mans. You must be ready to curl up in a uh, in a heap and uh, get a, a couple of days' sleep there too. Uh, he's been Marsha Pruitt. I've been... Uh, rather poorly sick graham goodwin Uh, we will hope to be back with you next week and we'll speak to you then